Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. This is the first chapel for the spring trimester 2012. All right. And I look around, there's a couple of you. This is your first um, chapel here at NBC. So if you uh, turn to your left and to your right, in front of you, behind you, if you see somebody you do not know, welcome them here tonight. It is our privilege. It is our privilege to have Dr. Stephen Grima with us tonight. He's the director of the music department. Let's welcome him. He's going to be ministering the word to us tonight. Let us stand. We're here trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts. Isaiah chapter 40 says, The Lord is the everlasting God. Amen. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. Amen. Amen. Good evening. God is good. And all the time. I've struggled with what I was going to preach tonight. I've had one of those 11th hour moments, which many of you may have had, or you've had a pastor that's had that. And then it all kind of came together because I'd like to direct this at students that are going to be graduating, students that hope to graduate, and what you are called to do. This might be a little more in your face than you're ready to hear. But when I teach some of these classes, and I deal with some serious issues, I like to deal with, do you get it? Ooh, thanks Liz. <laughs> Behaviors, authority, servanthood. In Hebrews chapter 13, They talk about what are leaders called to do and how should they respond? How should they lead? Preserving in faith. Let me give you a little background. A process. A community of people made up of the kind of people that we would like to have in our congregations, yes? But then there are the people that we really have to deal with. <laughs> you get that. Who comes to our churches? 
who comes to us asking for the healing? Who comes to us and says, oh, can you help us? And then the ones that say, I got it all figured out. Well, there's the dealing of people that have problems with relationships, money, possessions, work, family, because they can't put their priorities straight. And then we deal with the kind of leaders that don't quite remember great sermons or lectures, but they certainly remember awards and the outcomes of their life. Do they get it or don't they? And yet we're called to preach. We're called to serve. We have a world that is stuck with moral direction. Which way are you headed? How did Jesus appear to those around him? Is the Jesus of their day the same as the Jesus that we know today? I would say it's about the same. I'm going to read something from you. The great historian Edward Gibbon, who wrote The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. He gave five reasons for the fall of Rome. Think about where we are as a society when I read those five things. First, rapid increase of divorce with the undetermining of the sanctity of the home, which is the basis of society. Gee, just number one, he's just getting wound up. Number two, higher and higher taxes, the spending of money for breed and celebration. Are we getting closer to what we live with today? That's only two. Number three, the mad craze for pleasure. Sports becoming every year more exciting and more brutal. <laughs> we live in a world where all we deal with is, what's the next entertainment issue that we're going to do? We don't even deal with relationships anymore. We deal with, who, can I talk on this little phone? That's not talking. It's not a relationship. <sighs> Number four. Is it getting a little hotter in here? <clears throat> the building of a gigantic armaments when the real enemy was within the decadence of the people. We've been, we got people fighting all over the world and serving to preserve what our country stands for. The fifth one. The decay of religion, faith fading into mere form, losing touch with life, and becoming impotent to the guide of it. We're not dealing with old news here when we live today. And when you go out and to minister, you're going to have to deal with the tough stuff. Just like our men and women that fight 
and deal with preserving the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. There's not too many people that have died for a cause. Yes? Who else? Who signs an oath of office that says, I will support and defend to the death? You guys that have been in the military and taken that oath, you know what I'm talking about. And yet you take a similar oath when you go out to preach and you're ordained to do what you got to do. Do what you're called to do to follow that calling. Worship is portrayed today in a very frightening manner. We have people that do over abuse of everything from food to money to things and don't take time to reflect when necessary. You must use discernment when you become and take on that position of leadership. Hebrews 13 puts leaders in their place in many ways. Leaders are not meant to model what feels good. They are never meant to model moral behaviors. It is always about faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Faith that produces behaviors. Is there a difference between leaders and heroes? Is a hero the guy that just does it right? Or is a hero the one that does it with no concern for himself? That selfless act of, I would rather die than see you lose. Servanthood. What does servanthood mean? We're called to servanthood. Do we look for behaviors or for the faith model? Be rather than do. We are human beings, not humans just doing. I see too many times where people want to do all the right things, but they forget they have to be who Christ has called them to be. You're here for a calling. And God's not done with you yet. Amen. He's not done with any of us. Because I wouldn't be here and neither would any of you. Don't be motivated by being good. Our Lord is not interested in how we behave, but by whom we can become through him. And that's discussed in Romans and in Hebrews. What type, type of leader are you going to be when you have to run a church, whether it's a church of seven or a church of 700? And you're going to all be beginning in a place where you're probably going to work with a smaller group. 
So you're going to be doing the tough stuff right out of the gate. Remember to preserve and look for partners. You can't do this alone. The whole issue and relationship between Paul and Barnabas, and Barnabas and Timothy. Who was watching who? Who was mentoring to who? Barnabas was there serving the old man. And then Timothy was looking up to Barnabas to say, pick me, pick me, I wanted to go, I'm ready to go. I'm all set. Slow down, slow down. Don't jump into it until you've learned to use your discernment to step forward and stop and hear what God is calling you to do. When we're all working through this, we deal with several leadership principles. We can talk about leadership principles from the Harvard School of Business, or we can just open up the sword and say, it's all in here. Every piece that's taught at the Harvard School of Leadership and the Harvard School of Business is right here. We lead by serving and serve by leading. Matthew 20, 25 to 28. Your rights will decrease as you climb toward leadership. But your responsibilities will increase as you climb toward leadership. Steps that you should be taking in the future, prepare. Will you endure the tough stuff? Matthew 24, 1 to 4. The, the issues are completely there in every place, and it can be cross-referenced from one book to the next. Will you gain credibility while you chart your course? Can you provide direction and hope to those that you are serving? The servant leader. Servanthood is the, the gospel message. And sometimes we forget. And yet you can, you can listen to when Paul says, I, Paul, a slave. Or in one version, the servant. Whew. A slave, man. Whew. What do you need? How am I doing this? What can I do for you? But don't cross Paul. Because, you know, he, he wasn't afraid to get in your face. He wasn't afraid to say, uh-uh, this ain't working. And he did time for it. When I go down to the prison, that's the one person that all the prisoners understand and relate to. It's Paul. I've had prisoners down there that will completely recite an entire book of the Bible without missing a complete hitch at all, not missing a hitch at all. And cross-reference from book to book and understand what's happening. Because they're there because I missed it. I'm just going to, I've got to deal with my punishment. I've got to deal with what I, what's coming to me. When you think about how preparation deals with the issues that you're going to face, the man with a plan is the man with the power. 
And you go, okay, that's heard that before. But without a plan, you can't deal with the unexpected. You cannot deal with responding unless you know where to dig for the issues you're going to need to bring someone closer to being saved and understanding who our Lord is. You need to deal with people from where they're at. What were the parables all doing? Images of people of the day. How different is that from today? Not much. You can discover goals by looking at history. I just talked about the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. What's so different about that than what we deal with today? Behaviors versus what we have become through him. Think about that. Sometimes when you're leading, don't be afraid to be the guy in the back row. Think about Rahab. I mean, I'll just mention woman right now. Rahab was just a Canaanite prostitute who nevertheless believed in the Hebrew God and became the sole survivor when Jericho fell. Today's English, that's pretty straightforward, don't you think? Bathsheba was just a rape victim, stolen from her husband and forced to marry King David after he got her pregnant and killed her husband. Did God use that person? Did God use these women? Absolutely. And that's only a few of these women. We can go on and, and go to Ruth, and you know where you're getting the message of this. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 28, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eye, eyes and powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he, choose, and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted on as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Here are the, some points I'd like you to remember. Being a leader under authority. Avoid the pitfalls. Devote yourself to personal development and a plan that can cultivate your inner compass. Make sure you understand where true north is. Don't get wrapped up into things, issues, and the title you hold. I don't think Jesus did that. Who do you wish to lead? Are you called? Do you understand that calling? This takes time. It possibly takes a whole decade to unfold. Because remember, God's not done with us yet. Just because he called us doesn't mean you're all set and ready to go. You're here because you're calling and you're answering the call, but yet 
you got to take in some information. That's what we try to do with you. And sometimes we got to say it louder. Mm hmm. What's the dark side of leadership? Is it his will for your life to preach? Are you going to avoid your will on others? Hmm, think of those questions. Whose will is going to be the one in front of you? It's not going to be easy. It's lonely at the top, and you can't do it alone. As Barnabas dealt with Paul, and Paul trusted Barnabas, and Barnabas took young Timothy and said, come on, we're going to go check out a few things, see if you're ready for this. I know you're telling me you're ready, but I want you to see a few more things first. Keep your life in balance. Stay grounded. Use your quiet time to reflect and pray. Focus and ask our Lord for guidance. And sometimes we get so busy we can't get past the noise. So many of you are working full-time jobs, three-quarter-time jobs, trying to come in here, learn, and digest all the information we keep trying to pour in your head without digesting any of it. When you finally get to digest it, you can sit there and go, I'm going to kick my feet up and just watch the game a little bit. Yes? But you've got to do that in order to sit there and stand in a position to say, do you get what I'm saying? You know, you all have a testimony. Don't go on without using that testimony. No one wants your testimony taken away from you. And some of you have a deeper testimony than others. You know, I was brought up in a Norman Rockwell town. My wife, Laura, says, uh, you are just way too sheltered. You lived in one of those nice little communities where they didn't lock the doors, you know. The testimony is still there. There were things that were difficult, too. Just because I have a treasured childhood memory of a mother and father being there all the time. And family, we lived in a little area where the five houses on the end of that street, we're all, rel we're all related. Who was going to get lost? When you went out and ride your bike, who was, you know, if you went three blocks further, somebody said, you know where you're supposed to be, son? Does your mother know where you're over here? You walk in the corner store, get a loaf of bread, and they go, uh, who sent you over here? No, so I'm not sure, sir. It's nice, but you're going to find places where you're going to deal with tough stuff. And I still had to deal with difficult things, too. But I can treasure that kind of upbringing. The path to servanthood. How would Jesus do this? How did he lead? Sometimes we forget because we always are looking up toward our loving Savior. And we forget about the deals and those issues where he did tough things and went places where people said, why are you going? The Pharisees would say, how can you sit there and hang out with tax collectors? How can you hang out with the junks? How can, how can you sit there and deal with these wine drinkers, you know, because he went where the people were. 
He went where it was difficult. He didn't stay in a place where the carpet was nice and the flat screen TV was on and everything was pristine. You want to really understand servanthood, be so anxious to get out and take on a piece of the neighborhood. Take on that small church. Take on that place where you can touch every person you come in contact with. In Mark 9:35, and he sat down and called the 12 and said to them, if anyone deserves to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. You've heard that in every version. Here's another kingdom paradox. Get by giving, live by dying, and become first so that you can become last. Become first by becoming last. We, te- we know what that means. We hear it all the time. I can't encourage you enough to say, get your heart in front of your head and understand how you're going to walk. The apostles observed, and I, know, I generally say the 12 misfits observed, they observed their Lord and constantly questioned him. And Jesus had to turn around and say, yo, guys, come on, we're going. And they're going, but what? How come? We don't have this. We don't have food. We've got a food program. We can't feed all these people. What are you doing? How are you? Would you just shut up and show up? That's the way I picture how Jesus would be dealing with issues today in this place. He's not going to be afraid to say, what's your problem? You're not getting it. But then the apostles, every time, observed and modeled Jesus. They didn't realize it until they finally, after he was done, it is finished, and he rose and came back to them. They're finally going, "Uh uh-huh, yep, I think. And And Peter's sitting there telling him and watching while he's walking on the water, coming. Peter, keep your eyes on me. And the minute he looked away, splash. How will you serve? As you step into service, servant leadership is not just for the apostles, but for all who name the name of Jesus, the Savior and the Lord of all. Every day we will have to work and deal with his absence when we are his hands, his feet, his heart, because he came to serve. And we are, being, we are to model him. We serve in public and private. We serve our families. And it's difficult to serve the people you know closest. You try to tell your kids to do things. You try to tell mother, father, aunts, and uncles. And who's listening to you? I can remember when I became saved, my mother said, well, what is this you're going to do here? And I just came out of a Catholic upbringing. Private school, altar boy, you know, always there. Then all of a sudden, I really saw the light and started to really see there's a different issue with this relationship. And I can remember my mom, I don't think this, this doesn't work. 
you know, there's no priest involved. I go, that's right. <laughs> there's no Pharisees involved. Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. I was brought up in an old Italian Catholic family. Mm. Church, pasta at Sunday, for lunch. You will esteem others, serve our church, community, and our country as you sit there and serve others in that servanthood model. What is the spirit of service? The Holy Spirit gives the power and a willing heart to walk through those opportunities of service. We know that principle. We know that promise. But too many times, we might just kind of miss it and slide in and out of, are we really getting it? When Jesus said, yo guys, come on, we're going. Stop lagging, move. I'm moving, you better start coming along. If you believe in him and are following his call on your life, then you are a potential bondservant. How does Paul open every one of his letters? I, Paul. A bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. New King James. How about the message? I like the way this one comes out. I, Paul, am a devoted slave. Yo, I'm a slave. I'm no more than you. I don't care about anybody else but you. A slave of Jesus Christ, on assignment, authorized as an apostle to proclaim God's words and acts. I write this letter to all the Christians in Rome. God's friend. I like that one. But you, you know, slave is still there, bond servant is still there in the New King James. The apostles did what they saw him do. Even though they didn't quite get it during the process. During that time that he was, they were walking with him. Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. That's in Philippians 2, 7. Jesus is the ultimate model of a true servant leader, making himself the least of all. As you proceed through your studies here at NBC, you will deepen your commitment to serve and lead in your home, in your church, and in your community. By making yourself servants of all, you will discover opportunities to become the servant leader that you are called to be. And we are only in the calling process. You are going to go through this journey until the box closes and you have gone through your last breath. That process and that journey is about serving. I'll be thankful when I've served my share because then I know where I'm going to be. And it may take a long time. 
because I'm a sinner just like anyone else. We are all sinners. This is how you fulfill a calling. This is how we deal with the calling that God has put on our lives. I'm so thankful that that opportunity has, has been allowed to every one of us and how we have been able to follow a calling that sometimes takes a lifetime to understand. And those of you that are going to graduate, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the calling because you have the potential to be a servant leader just as Christ expected us all to be. Dear Lord, I come to you and I bring you that peace that is only attained by the servanthood and the desire to be so confident that you understand how to serve. In the midst of anything that is not working, the servanthood leader is the one that touches. I'm not afraid to be last, but I need to continue to grow and learn and study and understand how much more there is and how much more love can be portrayed and can flow through this vessel that you have chosen as every one of the students here as they're called to be a vessel and a servant. We ask you to touch each and every one of them in such a way that they will be so confident in understanding your hand on their ministry and what they have in store to serve you throughout their journey. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.